lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. They are Aaron McIntyre. Todd Erzin and our good friend Chris Pandolfo is here as we'll get started with the Dace Group in just a moment. But first, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. And we'll get to some of your feedback that you have sent us coming up next hour of the show on a Feedback Friday. You can also check us out on social media as well. Look for my name, Steve Dace, whether that's Facebook, on Gab, uh, where else? Um, uh, MeWe. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And then if you're looking for clips of the program that you can sample for yourself and then share with others, uh, just go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace as well as rumble.com slash Steve Dace show saw a clip uh, earlier today on my Twitter feed uh, Dan Bongino uh, saying last night on Fox News that he thinks Parler is going to be back as soon as Monday cool I contacted him myself this morning and he reiterated that to me yeah that he thinks they're going to be back online on Monday so we'll see. I mean, we got about 35, 40,000 followers over there on Parlor. We've missed you all for the last month or so. So hopefully we'll get to see that again on Monday. Also, don't forget my brand new book. Well, it's not brand new anymore, I guess, but it's still new. Uh, the still new book, A Nefarious Carol. Get your copy today over at Amazon.com. If you've read it already, you got the audible version performed by yours truly and my oldest daughter. If you liked that or you just got the old-fashioned reader version, uh, please leave us a five-star review. Thanks to all of you that have done that for the book already still time to get your book in time uh, for us to delve deeper into it with next week's theology thursday if you get your copy of a nefarious carol today the sequel to my 2016 book a nefarious plot had a script call last night very promising i think we're close to being done with a first draft which is always the biggest mountain to climb is the very first draft, right? Yes. And then from there, you tweak things and hopefully make them better. But the first draft is the toughest hill to climb. I think we're just about to the mountaintop with that. So uh, we'll keep you, keep you updated on details as, uh, well, we have them. But before any of those more details or Feedback Friday, it is time for the day's group. Weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. You know, we do a lot of cool things for our pets. We spoil them. We cuddle them. We take them for walks. We take them if you've got a, a non-shedding Bichon like me. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is you take them to groomers a lot. All right. Uh, you feed them too. You should probably do that. Uh, but um, one thing we got to make sure we do is give them the proper nutrition because chances are the food we're feeding our pets is just as sterile as the food we eat. That's why we're taking so many supplements today. Thankfully, your pet now has has one as well and it's called rough greens it's a powder that you mix into the food your dog already loves and i think they're going to love it more at least that our dog cap seems to and it's got all the vitamins minerals nutrients antioxidants pre and probiotics that your dog is likely missing from their store-bought food put right back in and right now if you want to try it for just two weeks 
Give it a shot for two weeks. See what happens. See if you don't see a difference in your dog's behavior and health and energy level for just $14.95. That's all it costs to get the jumpstart bag from Rough Greens. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get to issue one. Bleep, Lord Nefarious says. As much fun as it is to get together in a big Super Bowl party, now is not the time to do that. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense. There are many people who feel, you know, if you really want to have an extra little uh, bit of protection, maybe I should put two masks on. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no data that indicates that that is going to make a difference. Even after vaccinated, uh, social distancing, wearing masks are to be, going to be essential. Several studies, they'll point to a study recently from CDC doctors that says schools are not really a spreader of coronavirus. And I wonder what you say uh, when that is held up as a reason to reopen schools. So I think we have to pay attention to the new variants of COVID that are being found right here in Illinois and in Chicago. It's inappropriate to call it the South African variant. It's better just to call it by its name, 501YV2. And let me remind you of the over $100 million in mitigations that CPS has invested in our schools to make them safe. They included ventilation, testing, health screening, face coverings, enhanced cleaning, and other in-school safety measures. CPS had three weeks of successful implementation of these mitigation plans in our schools. That was until the CTU blew up that success and created chaos that we are now enduring. When we talk about merit, meritocracy, and especially meritocracy based on standardized testing, I'm just going to say it in this day and age, we cannot mince words. It, those are racist systems. Climate change is a racial justice issue because it exacerbates the challenges in the communities that have been left behind. It goes after the very same communities that pollution has held back and racism has held back. You should be getting a storm like this every 15 years. We're getting them much more frequently as the oceans warm up, all that warm ocean energy meeting the cold air coming down from the Arctic, bam, you get all that uh, atmospheric energy which creates scenes like this. I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, is that uh, an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. Uh, I negotiated the Paris Accords uh, for the United States. I've been involved in this fight for years. I've negotiated with President Xi to bring President Xi to the table so we could get Paris. And uh, I believe the time it takes me to get somewhere, I can't sail across the ocean, I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. I can tell you that I had a very close encounter where I thought I was going to die. It doesn't have to be real, the threat, for you to believe it's, it's imminent you and believe. real. I'd be remiss uh, not to ask you about uh, the story about John Weaver, who is a founding member of the Lincoln Project. I've actually known about this pattern of behavior since 1988. Mr. DeLeon, can you please um, lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance this morning? 
But thank you very much, uh, Madam President. Be an honor. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Undervisible. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. For which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. First question, Chris, is our guest. We will begin with you, sir. What was your favorite shot with no chaser of bile this week? Go ahead. Probably the guy who couldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, that, that just because that made me feel not better, but it made me laugh. I thought this week was actually kind of tame compared to some of the other weeks where you've had me on the show to review what's happened. Like, we're getting things like John Kerry being a climate hypocrite, which is really 2008, isn't it? Or even 2004. You know, things are returning to normal. The planet is healing, Steve. You're being lied to by the media again, and the Democrats are hypocrites. What's not to love about Joe Biden being Aaron, are you are you going to take that shade just thrown at you by someone that was one of the groomsmen in your own wedding? Are you just going to take that? What... what uh... Oh, what did he say? I, I wasn't even paying attention to him. <laughs> well, did he say six, something seven, about the yeah. Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, no. Finish yeah, your yeah, thought. Go, go. Finish your irrelevant thought, I guess, is what he's trying to say, Chris. Go ahead. No, uh, yeah. So, look, the obviously the, the biggest thing this week is the coronavirus stuff and the media and the politicians basically telling you one thing at one point and the other. Like Dr. Fauci with the double masking thing is a good example. And it's a demonstrative of how the experts don't want to tell you the truth they just want to tell you what they think you need to hear to do what they want at any given time right and that's the way the coronavirus was handled from the beginning is at first the the initial reaction was oh no no no, don't wear a mask it's not really going to help that much but then they thought well we shouldn't tell people that because if we tell people to wear masks you know they're going to buy them all up we're going to go out of stock so we'll tell them not to do that and then a couple months later they reversed and they're like oh no no no, you need to wear a mask everybody should have a mask and so like this is why people don't trust these institutions it's why people don't trust the experts and it's why uh, what we're going to talk about a little bit later is happening, where you see people siding more with Marjorie Taylor Greene than with Mitch McConnell, is because they're just fed up with the institutions and they're fed up with being lied to, and they just want to disrupt the system and burn it all down. Todd? It's the two women back-to-back who say uh, testing systems and global warming are racist. Just terrible terrible cancerous people i've put on this earth as a father of four daughters to make sure that the women i raise in my household don't turn into low lives like that they are at the core of so much that is wrong with this country i i'm appalled that they are allowed to say that with positions of power and they don't understand that by their own rationalizations they must resign they must otherwise they're racist too but we continue to go on with this game you know what's racist here my sister is about to finally after about three years it's something i really couldn't even talk about uh, is about to adopt three black children all of whom have different fathers they're siblings, but they have different fathers. That's racist. Not global warming. They didn't do that to them. 
the fact that somebody wanted to test them about things they learned in school to see what their skills are and how they could best bless the rest of the nation accordingly. That wasn't racist. We're just not even a remotely serious people with these Karens in positions of power. They are cancer. Progressivism is cancer. If we do not win over these people, game over for this nation. Period. Did you, did you, the woman that you talked about with, because we've been having the debate about standardized testing since, you know, you and I were in school. Yes. Are they, well, and and they weren't called racist before. They were just called culturally insensitive because a lot of these kids, particularly minorities, come from difficult backgrounds Mm -hmm. academically and they just, they weren't taught this, the material and they, so to expect them to qualify academically at universities without being given a proper prep, that Mm -hmm. was the debate back then, right? Okay. John Cheney and uh, the Georgetown coach, John Thompson, they were big on those debates back then. She's taking this a step further. Did you see what she said? Yeah. She said meritocracy. Yes. And then she specified an example, which is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But before she specified the example of standardized testing, I mean, Aaron and I, I'm a homeschool dad. Aaron comes out of the homeschool environment. One of the things homeschoolers hate is what? And a lot of them are white. What do they hate, Aaron? Standardized Standardized tests. <laughs> they think they're garbage. I just inculcate, teach, uh, teach kids according to the test. So it, that's a little bit like vaccines. You can get a weird conglomeration of, of, of different political alliances on the question of what do you think of standardized testing, mm-hmm. right? Okay. No, no. She took this a step further. She said to expect people of color to achieve in a meritocracy yeah. is, 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 is racist. How is that not racist? She's, she's, she's literally saying because they're black, they yes. could not be expected yes. to, to thrive and succeed in an environment where merit is rewarded. Yeah, I don't know, military. Yeah. I mean, can and you think fun. of some environments where meritocracies exist in the culture? Military athletics and then can you think of a couple of places where black america disproportionately succeeds over white america in any endeavors can you think of a couple mm-hmm. military athletics you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but she i mean what she's asserting is racist on its face yes it is and that's why i'm saying game over if we don't if it we sounds don't like the kind of stuff joe biden and his buddies were saying back in the 70s against busing right if we just don't flat out now here and no further because here is also the scam it's back when uh steve even earlier uh, uh the 70s we start getting rid of trade schools and now the the only thing you can be to have any worth whatsoever is to go to a four-year college and get that degree so it's, it's a, and then everybody's expected to go there and it's it's not we weren't meant to live like this because there's mechanics and plumbers and farmers and all manner of things that are really important. So we set up this ridiculous system that can't help but lead to failure in many people, which can't help but lead to uh, welfare mm-hmm. and, and, and larger government. We must stop this. It's not a policy preference. It's reality. Either we stop this or it's over. Aaron, get eye on your own supply. Yeah, I can't, uh, man, I, I can't follow that up very well. But that was going to be that San Francisco uh, commissioner or administrator in the school, San Francisco Unified School District, just flat out saying meritocracy is uh, racist. And it harkens back to something that went on over the summer. And um, it, it was stemmed out of the George Floyd race uh, uprisings. And it happened right here in our backyard. And that's the story. And I'll make this very br- brief or as brief as I possibly can. 
uh, it, it had to do with the University of Iowa uh, football team and allegations of racial bias and um, just uh, racist behavior. And uh, one of the things that was out of that was just some probably not great behavior from their strength and conditioning coach, but it wasn't just that. It went beyond that. There was a, 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 a slew of allegations about white culture and how pervasive that was. And I listened to an Iowa Hawkeye-centric podcast one time when they had a player on, one of their former teammates, actually, the, the, the players, the former players who host this podcast, who was making some of these allegations, and they just point blank to ask him, what are you talking about white culture? And these... This player hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. And finally, it was stuff like, well, you know what? We got to tuck our shirts in. And, you know, if we show up a, a minute late, then coach would really get on us and, and things like that. And it goes back to, I, I believe it was, I can't remember if it was a UN or uh, actually National History Museum or some, some museum in Washington, D.C., talking about the difference between white culture and black culture. And it was a strong work, work ethic was white culture, the dastardly white culture showing up on time, white culture. Mm-hmm. Meritocracy is racist is really, as you were saying, and I just say that all, all of that just to underline what you said, Steve, the, the idea that meritocracy is racist is in its face a racist mm-hmm. sentiment because it it it, um, it it precludes anybody who doesn't want to live up to merit it precludes you you can't possibly do that so therefore this is racist exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being the lincoln project's current moral standing and 10 being the minimum years of prison lincoln project co-founder john weaver should be given if the allegations against him are true rank this week's level of total depravity todd 10 chris six <laughs> nice that's like the lowest score we've had in like two years aaron 10 issue two marjorie versus mitch Well, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was out there claiming Ted Cruz attempted to murder her and then engaging in a Jussie Smollett-style campaign to garner sympathy. More on that later. Republicans and Democrats were busy pillaring Marjorie Taylor Greene, a newly elected congresswoman from Georgia. Why? Was it because she believes in the Russian collusion conspiracy theory, the Ukrainian collusion conspiracy theory, or the conspiracy theory that Trump was going to use the military to prevent the Biden administration from moving into the White House? Nope, but because she believes in a whole other batch of conspiracy theories. I'm going to be completely honest with you at this point and tell you I did absolutely no research into the conspiracy theories that Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently believes in because it really doesn't matter. Nevertheless, the House of Representatives, some of the same people who believed in the Russia hoax, Ukraine hoax, and the Trump using the military to hang on to power conspiracy, voted this week to strip her of committee assignments, meaning she, if she chooses, has more time to drink cocktails and sightsee in Washington, D.C. when she's there. Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell, never one to back down from a good opportunity to virtue signal, said in a statement, quote, Looney lies and conspiracy theories are a cancer for the Republican Party and our country, end quote. It appears that, you know, we're running out of differences between Democrats and Republicans anymore. It appears which conspiracy theories you believe in might be the last remaining difference, right? All right. So um, I I asked my audience a a pure troll of a question and got almost 7,000, I think it was, responses to this, Aaron. I mean, the the amount of people that responded to this was nuts, okay? The question was, who would you prefer to be president (laughs) one day? Mitch McConnell or Marjorie Taylor Greene? 
Marjorie Taylor Greene came back to nip Mitch McConnell there right at the end of the race with 89.4%. Old Ditch got 10.6%. What do you make of these results, Todd? Well, I think it's, this is a direct answer. I think it's really cool <laughs> that we are finally getting around to taking care of the conspiracy theorists. We should and we must. So now, how about we take care of the dementia-ridden 78-year-old president of the United States who believes boys can become girls and use their bathrooms and play their sports because that's a conspiracy too. One that's far more grotesque than what's ever going on in the northwest uh, corner of Georgia that almost doesn't impact anybody really right now. She had no power no matter what committee she is or isn't on. So uh, by all means, let's start burning down the conspiracy theories. Amen to that. Alexa, why why would a lot of reasonable, smart Americans believe that their government has been um, infiltrated by a satanic cabal of pedophiles? I asked Alexa that this morning, and uh, and um, her response was John Weaver. Uh, so, Chris, what do you think? Chris, what do, you, what do those polling results say to you? Yeah, those polling results tell me that anybody who cares about the future of the Republican Party and cares about people being elected to Congress who, um, you know, are not crazy, uh, they need to reflect why we're in this position that we're in. Because, you know, I personally think that Marjorie Taylor Greene is distasteful. I don't think that she should be the type of person we're electing to Congress. You know, it's not my district. It's not who I would have voted for. And she doesn't represent my views. But there was a reason she was elected, right? And it's because people feel like the system and the institutions are not res- listening to them. They're not responding to their concerns. And Todd's right. When you have people on the left who are saying things like men can be women and women can be men, and there's no differences in gender, but also, you know, you're a sexist if you don't acknowledge that women need certain things. And, you know, you can't have an opinion on abortion if you don't have a uterus. But I thought I didn't need a uterus to be a woman. That's just as insane as the things that she's saying about, you know, whether or not there's a secret cabal of pedophiles running the government or whatever the QAnon conspiracy theories are these days, which, by the way, she apologized for believing in Congress yesterday after McCarthy had a talking to her with her and is like, basically, look, you got to denounce these things if you want to stay in Congress and actually do things. So that's just politics. The larger point is people feel like politicians like Mitch McConnell have failed them and have not responded to their needs and are not standing up to the crazy that they're seeing from the left and from everybody else. And I think also there, there has to be a point made that, you know, people, you can't just get mad at one type of crazy, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, maybe she's not the type of person who should be in Congress, but the people who get elected and who lie about the things that they wanted to do on the campaign trail, and then who go around and they benefit themselves and enrich themselves, you can't just tolerate that either. Yesterday, Chris, Rashida Tlaib went to the floor of the House and began crying, describing the events that she suffered through on January the 6th. She was not there, Chris. Mm-hmm. She was not there, and she's literally crying 
crying. We'll talk about a bad female stereotype to begin with. She's crying about an event she she didn't even experience. And right. so I, can you see why? Like, I've not even looked up what Marjorie Taylor Greene believes on purpose. I don't care. I don't care. It's not my district. I don't have to vote for her. I'm not the spokesman for the RNC. I don't, wouldn't take the job. Actually, there is an amount of money I would take the job for because I just freaking nuke them every day. But um, I, I, I don't care because it's a game. The, the, the reality is what, whatever the hell she, she put on her Facebook page 10 years ago is not any threat to me right now. Okay. But, uh, but sociopathic members of Congress who um, pull off their own Jesse Smollett, which we'll talk about later, Rashida Tlaib crying on the floor of the House about an event she was not even at. That's a clear and present danger right now, Chris. Right now to me. The, the crazy stuff that you're talking about Democrats are for, that is a th- that, that you talked about, that's a threat to me right now. I would love the luxury. To me, debating the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene is like de- debating my libertarian friends about pot. Gosh, please. When we get down to issue 7,212, I promise you will have all my energy on the wacky tobacco. You, uh, we'll go all in on the chronic long long nights like in college when we used to just try to figure out the easter eggs and symbolism of the stand sitting around in our dorm rooms drinking all night long trying to figure out what in the world Stephen King was talking about you'll get that level of, 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 of lint in the navel pondering me about pot I, I long for the day that we have the luxury of expending such intellectual energy on the likes of such an issue but today Unfortunately, is not that day. And Aaron, that's kind of how I feel about debates like this. Okay. Yeah. And for me, the reason why the the specifics of which conspiracy theories and the merits or lack thereof of the conspiracy theories of Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, do not matter. And I said that on purpose is one personally and principally, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Republican. Uh, If these people do right in things that affect me, belief in conspiracy theories do not uh, uh, affect me until it comes down to brass tacks and enacting legislation. I'll have an opinion there, Uh, maybe, if it's it's actually uh, worthwhile. But I'm not a Republican. Um, What it does to the Republican Party does not really concern me. You you burnt bridges long, long ago, and now you're you're pondering the lint in your navel, navel, as you said. Uh, But secondarily as well, I, I get, I get, I get the notion, and it's you know it, it, if it's your if it's your um, uh, if you are if you are just really convicted about this, then I get it. Okay, fine. No matter what, if something is true, it should be it, it, um, it, it should be lauded. If it is not true, it should be uh, it should be denounced, and if it has uh, serious implications, it should be punished. But I, I see a lot of people on the right who are just, oh my goodness, she needs to be stripped of all of her committee assignments and kicked out of out of Congress. While the other side, they they will never do that. They'll send off a tweet. They'll maybe make a speech on the floor. But but the consequences for these types of beliefs or actions, behaviors, what have you, the consequences always fall on one side. Yep. At least most of the time, 99.9% of the time, they fall on one side. So I have a really, really, really difficult time in believing that your conviction 
is really pure conviction when you pure, uh, you when you clutch your pearls about people like Marjorie mm-hmm. Taylor Greene. So I'm just yeah. I'm fed up with that. That's why I don't play that game. One because I'm not a Republican uh, and not in my district, what have you. And two, yes, I get that uh, it maybe it's not true. It's not true, but. I, I just don't, I'm not playing that game. All right, we're short on time. We're going to get to the exit question. Chris, I can give you 20 seconds if you can say something very quickly. I know yeah. you wanted to get so it. The, the bottom line is if the Mitch McConnell's of the politics and the people who were decent and good, like Mitt Romney and Ben Sass, stood up to the left and voiced the concerns of people, they wouldn't feel like they needed to throw Marjorie right. Taylor Greene at this yep. If Gary Cooper, if, if I knew Gary Cooper was going to shoot the banditos, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call in Clint Eastwood. You're exactly right. But they won't. Instead, they'll shoot us. Exit question. If the future direction of the GOP were lyrics from a Duran Duran song, which Duran Duran song lyrics would it be? A, there's a dream that strings the road with broken glass for us to hold. B, strut on the line, discord and rhyme. I'm on the hunt. I'm after you. C, see them walking hand in hand across the bridge at midnight. Or D, cherry ice cream smile. I suppose it's very nice. Todd. A, broken glass for us to hold. All right. What do you think, Chris? A, although I don't really understand any of those lyrics. It's <laughs> kind of where I am. Whatever, what, whatever one is the most painful, that's the one. They All were right. my first band. Yeah. I mean, they were like one of the, they're the quintessential 80s oh, yeah, band. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, when we come back, I, I've, we have not made her a topic very often, I, I, but this week we were forced. Our hand was forced. We will discuss AOC when we return. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show. Steve Dace here alongside. Your name is Todd Erzin. Your name is Aaron McIntyre, correct? Correct. His name is Chris Pandolfo. The name of my, of my, allegedly, the name of my favorite treat is Built Bar. I just had one during the break. It is the best protein bar you have ever had. I promise you'll never have one better than this ever, ever. Okay. And the great part about it too, less than 180 calories or less in every bar, three to five grams of carbs, uh, sugar, that's it in every bar. Um, up to 20 grams of protein in every bar. It tastes like a candy bar, has the texture of a candy bar. Well over 20 flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate. You don't have to make the choice anymore between tasty eating and healthy eating. Built Bar combines the two. Take advantage of my name right now, Dace, as a promo code and get 20% off your first or next. If you've tried it before, try it again. 20% off your first or next order right now at BuiltBar.com. B-U-I-L-T at BuiltBar.com. Do me a favor. Get the chocolate chip cookie dough flavor and tell me how it is. Because apparently I can't get them to send them to me. But I keep hearing from everybody else how great they are. So by all means, yes, keep rubbing my nose in it. At BuiltBar.com, promo code DACE. Let's get to issue three, Alexandria Ocasio-Smollett. It all started last week in the middle of a hugely bipartisan laugh fest and billionaire hedge fund managers getting their butts handed to them by a bunch of Redditors over the GameStop stock short squeeze. Ted Cruz quote tweeted Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez voicing his support for bipartisan legislation aimed at taking on market manipulators who would attempt to squash the little guy out of trading. 
to which Ocasio-Cortez responded by accusing Ted Cruz of trying to have her murdered at the January 6th events at the Capitol. This week, Ocasio-Cortez went on Instagram Live and, through tears, described how she thought her life was being threatened during the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, blaming Capitol Police officers for making her feel scared. Except there's one problem. She wasn't actually at the U.S. Capitol building at all. In fact, she was a couple of blocks away in a congressional office building when the uprising took place. On almost the exact two-year anniversary of the Jussie Smollett hoax, where the actor staged getting attacked by two white nationalists, this story was all over social media this week, with the same actors in the media and the left attempting to whitewash the tall tale. First question, Chris, I'll go to you. On a scale of one to ten, with one being your IQ, if you are surprised, uh, and ten being how many private messages Lindsey Graham still has to return on his grinder account. It's a busy week. Uh, how surprised are you? AOC's stop, sob story turns out to be a complete fabrication, Chris. So there are a couple of important things to note about the story because there's been a lot of misrepresentations about it. Uh, in her Instagram video, Ocasio-Cortez never actually claimed to be in the Capitol building. She said, in fact, that she was in her office building, which is a couple of blocks away. It's like a three-minute walk from the Capitol to get to the office where she was. And uh, the Newsweek story that actually reported on her Instagram video also got something wrong. They said that rioters had attempted to break into her office. That wasn't true. A police officer had come to get her to try and pull her safety. And so like she never claimed that she was near the rioters, right? So she didn't actually lie. I think it's important that if we're gonna accuse her of lying that we have to be clear about what she actually said and what she didn't actually say. Now that being said- She's a liar. Which she is. (laughs) She (laughs) is manipulating the truth to excuse Ted Cruz of murder and to accuse Republicans of trying to have her killed. And she is politicizing and exaggerating the situation. And that's wrong. You know, so I'm not surprised at all that she's doing that, that she's trying to take advantage of the situation. I just want to be very clear that the way that social media is accusing her of lying about what happened, she is she she didn't actually say what she's being accused of saying. Okay, Todd. Yeah, I don't see the reason to clarify anything with her. I mean, it's all performative nonsense. It's all drama. She, she, as you said, she already just said Ted Cruz is guilty of attempted murder. I, there's, I'm supposed to quibble about whatever gray area is involved in this garbage. This is just like before. Either we stop being manipulated by this, just like the two women I said before. This is not exclusively a women thing. We happen to dealing uh, with women now, but. Either we stop this, or again, game over. We, the, the Republic is, in fact, lost. But we still happen to live in a place where a reclamation effort can still happen. Because we haven't been forced to frog march into the, the camps yet, nor have our children. But the American Revolution, it's dead. It's, we are being mocked at every turn. That is the point of this. It is it, While this Marjorie nonsense is going on and she's doing this and a double standard is just being shoved down our throat by Goebbels Tapper, we, we are being told with a laugh track behind it that your little dreams of living in a republic, if you can keep it, are all 
over. That's the point of her getting up there and crying. She doesn't believe that happened. She isn't scarred. I mean, she's scarred for a hundred other reasons, but that she isn't really, she's laughing about all of this. She's not shamed by any of it. She knows there won't be any consequences for it. That's why progressivism is cancer. There is no soul to these people. Don't don't give them any room to feel sorry for them. How you can understand the victim crisis unit bring in. They didn't quite say no, no, no. Aaron. So this week we featured, I believe, yeah, in the montage and we talked about it a little bit on the show. Um, Newsmax interviewing uh, my uh, Mike Lindell. Oh, of, yes. Of my pillow. <laughs> and. Newsmax. I, I remember watching Newsmax. Uh, I was down at um, at my uh, my wife's grandma's place, uh, and she had Newsmax on in the aftermath of the election. Around the time I believe Biden had been certified, or they'd called called the race or something for for Biden. I, I believe it was the Saturday after the election. And Newsmax was at the forefront of questioning. They weren't even calling him the uh, the the. The president-elect, they weren't calling him the declared winner. They were having none of it. Yet Newsmax this week, one of their anchors just could not even, with Mike Lindell, laying out whether the veracity uh, of his claims, not going to get into that right now, the veracity of his claims, it could, the, the, news, the, the Newsmax anchor just could not even with Mike Lindell trying to rehash the the election and and Lindell uh, Lindell just wanted to say that he had a documentary coming out today actually uh, attempting to prove that voter fraud uh, a, a number of allegations about election and this this Newsmax Max anchor walked off the st- walked off the set because of this so in a period of about three four months what is whatever it's been um, since Newsmax was on the forefront of challenging this and to now even Newsmax, at least one anchor there has been so shook by the by uh, by 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 the foray and by the uh, by the I don't know, the powers that be that say we cannot talk about this. We cannot talk about this yet on the same day that this Newsmax anchor was so shaken up about this documentary coming up that he couldn't even Time magazine drops this expose basically confirming what we are our theory on this show for uh, basically the whole time which is um, a lot of actors colluded behind the scenes to change election law to get things in order in order to make it easier at the very least for joe biden to win why do i bring all of this up because Despite the, we can get into the veracity of the claims, pretty much everybody who showed up on January 6th believes that in some way, shape or form, the election was rigged. The election was not legitimate. Some believe they were stolen. That was all the sentiment there. And now this week also, we have a former CIA bigwig talking openly about treating extremism as the same thing as counterinsurgency efforts in Iraq and Afghanistan. Why am I bringing up all of this here? Is because along the lines of what Todd was saying, this is all performative virtue signaling, um, a shout for attention. Yet at the same time, existential threats, which we are told not to talk about because it didn't happen, 
happened right under our very noses and we're being gaslit and gaslit and gaslit all the time. It's being used as an excuse to target people like us, the people who like to watch shows like this. Right. See, that is, is that though, is the bigger that is the bigger issue here is that we allow these things. We allow these things to go on. The news media, uh, that's a lost cause. I don't want to go into there, into that anymore. The, the, very, the very fact that somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez thinks that she can get away, nay, not only get away, but be lauded and defended for implying what she did just shows how far gone our system is and how much it hates and is preparing to and is in some ways is weaponized against you. Chris, I'll give you the last word since you vetted yeah. uh, AOC's comments far more than I, I promise you she did before she delivered them. Go ahead. See, it's worse than Aaron and Todd think because it's not performance art. It's not virtue signaling. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez believes that Ted Cruz tried to murder her by no, she does not. She absolutely does. No, These she people are so far. The progressive worldview is warped. Her yeah. worldview is warped. I just said it. And, and, and the people who changed the election laws, they don't think they were rigging the election. They think they were doing the morally right. Yes. Thing yes. That's you, may, you may Biden think you may going. think you may think this is suffering, but it is your salvation. They're Ebony Ma. Yes. Yeah, they're it's, here it's to deliver that, you. Yes, they, they don't. They don't think they're engaged in a conspiracy. I they agree. don't think that they're doing anything wrong. They think that they're absolutely doing the morally they're right. They're on a thing. mission and from Ali, AOC. Yes. Yep. AOC thinks that she's absolutely in the morally right position, believing that Ted Cruz tried to have her murdered. And that's why it's worse than virtue signaling or performance art. They think it's actual virtue. Exit no, you, question. I got to get out. Yeah. Exit question. True or false? At this point, we should not take absolutely anything from the media political party industrial complex at face value until it is vetted nothing todd of course that's true chris absolutely true it's from a different country Aaron? true all right quickly on issue four super bowl 55 prediction who wins and why todd chiefs by 17 because they're superior okay because uh tom uh, todd hates tom brady and thinks he should have i don't hate tom brady Todd hates tom brady go ahead I do not hey, Todd hates him does i i just Man, it depends on so many things. If if the Buccaneers have fewer than two turnovers, then I believe they're going to win. If it's if it's two or more, there's no way they're gonna they're gonna survive. Aaron going with the whoever commits the fewest turnovers is probably going to win. It, that's some groundbreaking analysis that, there, Steve. That, I, I resent yes. the implication that that yeah. was anything other than dull. Yes, it's always true though. That's why it's such a cliche. <laughs> All right, Aaron, I'm Chris. Go ahead. What do you think? Who's winning? I think it's going to come down to who plays better football, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the I think the Chiefs are the best team in the league. You know, so they're probably the favorites to win. But you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and he's done this before, and he probably could do it again. So it's going to be an exciting game. I'm leaning towards the Chiefs, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks win. I think the Buccaneers are going to win because I'm sitting on a 12 to one ticket for the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. So a lot of a lot of sharps, a lot of sharp uh, futures um, guys who like to bet futures like you do had mm -hmm. the bucks even before they got Tom. <laughs> yeah, yep. Papa needs a new pair of shoes. So I could I could use an, another little Christmas bonus there. All right, let's get to actual predictions. Aaron, I believe by uh, the end of June, it will not only be um, on the fr not. It's not even a fringe right now, but by the end of June, it will be widely accepted. Just 
depends on which way of the looking glass you're actually looking at it, it will be widely accepted that the election was irregular. Due to this time story this morning permeating and just kind of getting into the mainstream thought, um, the left can get away with this because they were doing it for our own good. Yes. Todd? Yeah, I'm going to echo that because it can't be understated it this is this is tom cruise and a few good men he wants they he wants to say it out loud that's what this time article is they want to put the boot on the throat chris your prediction the uh, buffalo bills will return to the afc championship next year and continue to be the only relevant new york sports team for at least the next three years my prediction is, despite the current claims otherwise, I just don't believe you announce in January a video game, one of the most beloved video games of all time, that's been gone for eight years. I just don't believe you announce in January it's coming back with the intent of not releasing it for 18 more months. Okay? I believe that we will see EA Sports college football this year after all. I do. And it, it's not, it has nothing. It's just a man just from a marketing standpoint. There's no point in throwing that out there as early as they did just to dangle that out there for 18 months. Before, what, what point does that make? Before, I don't know, this summer. It's not we, like you can like sell advanced copies or shares of EA, or, or, I mean, to fans. Steve, Steve, I, I have a, here's a question for you. Will you be able to buy that game first or the PlayStation 5 first? Well, will, will the PS5 see, be that, back in stock? this is why I believe they've not put a definitive date on it. They're looking. They're, it's they're, they're, it's being determined by the market penetration of next generation consoles. That's what I believe the issue is. And also, you've got federal legislation right now working its way through Congress on name and image and likeness, and that could change the negotiation for using, uh, you know, well, name, image, and likeness. So I think with those two things in the air, do I think it is possible you might not see it until next year? Yes. If the thing what you just said, uh, the, the 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 lack of supply of next gen consoles. And then what I just mentioned, the NIL mm-hmm. legislation, if it's not ironed out by May, June, um, then, yeah, you won't see it until next year. But I don't think it's a slam dunk that they have no intention of releasing this game this year. Otherwise, they would not have begun previewing it in January. I, I think what's going to be required here to wipe that face off of Todd is you or I, Steve, are going to have to bring our PS3s, one of our PS3s over to Todd's house. And make you him are getting a little joyless. I just just listen as your friend. I just got to drop that on you. All right? I mean, no, you no, are. No. You, it, it, it's not even like an adorable get off my lawn. It's I just have... a complete, total joy, kill joy, like joyless. No, not at all. I've got tons of joy in my life. Okay. You, you know that too. I'm saying this as your friend. You're this complete is, and total drag. This is just. <laughs> If Chris, we, we don't gotta, connect the dots need, on this, man. This Chris, we got to go. All right. This is a drug, man. Take care. We'll come back. Bye, Hour guys. two is next. Two live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. 
He's Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. Let us know who you are. Uh, you can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, on MeWe, on Gab. Also, you can follow at Steve Day Show on Twitter. And if you're looking for clips of the program that you can sample and then share with others, go to youtube.com slash stevedace or rumble.com slash show. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you. Please show your appreciation for us. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button, whichever podcast platform you prefer. The more of you that do that, the more it helps the show to grow. We thank the thousands of you that have done those two things for our program already. Please, let's keep it coming. Feedback Friday coming your way here in a moment, brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you are looking to get into the housing market at any time, I will tell you, it's even with as good of a real estate agent as we had. And if we were on the move somewhere here in uh, Des Moines, he'd be the first call we'd make, even though we haven't used his services for almost 15 years. That's how good and trustworthy our agent was. Even with that, though, it's a stressful time. So uh, don't go in there alone. Don't go in there blind with an agent you're not sure you can trust. So where would you find one that you can be sure you you can? Thankfully, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a website started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates who were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the, the, the desired and promised results when needed the most. So they didn't want you to suffer the same fate. Thus, they put together a referral service of agents all over the country whose track records of success have been proven and vetted. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listed. So this is where you need to go if you're getting into the housing market. Real estate agents i trust.com again that's real estate agents i trust.com all right let's get to some feedback friday you guys ready to go yeah absolutely let's start with this one from freddie bastiat i think that's how that's pronounced uh you've admitted that a nefarious plot is basically an homage to the screw tape letters and nefarious carol is uh, an homage to dickens a christmas carol so how about your next book write you, the next book you write is a nefarious dune the pumpkin spice must flow just think it practically writes itself just a thought love the show todd your thoughts uh i'm about the coattail so if this thing sells pumpkin spice the hell out of it <laughs> I, i've not read the dune books i tried I, watching the movie yeah. when we were kids in the 80s that uh sting was in that film right okay. yeah that film's yes. that film's wild man there's a lot going on there and i'm not sure about what any of it is okay wasn't it david lynch who um was he who did that because it had that one guy kyle um, kyle yeah was the lead guy yeah. right um my understanding though is that the spice in dune is like the drug trade yeah i think okay. so and lucas just ripped it off in star wars when he talked about you know the spice runs of Kessel and stuff like that. That's a no. That's a oh. that's a tip of the cap to Frank Herbert's Dune books. Yeah, just a not so hidden Easter egg, right? Yeah. Or well, one man's ripoff is another yeah. man's Easter yeah. egg homage, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jill Rubel in Nevada. Uh, she writes, in the last month or so, you have developed the habit of saying, you know what I'm saying, multiple times in every show. It is very annoying and a rhetorical crutch that an excellent speaker such as yourself needs to curtail. By the way, I've watched and listened every day since you came on The Blaze. You know what? I mean, you know what I'm saying. I had, I had to do that. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I, you know what? I, I put this in here, Jill, because I noticed the other day I've been doing it a lot too. Have you guys noticed this? So I'm, I'm, it's on my mind now to make it a point. When I first got started in broadcasting, I, I didn't realize I was doing it. When we'd have a guest on for an interview, I would, I would preface every question with, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And then my uh, first program director, a guy named Johnny Wright, who him and I had a parody bit we used to do called Tommy Tourette's, where he would come on with, and give hot sports takes with Tourette's syndrome and stuff we had to bleep. We couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> but let me ask you this is the thing everyone's concerned <laughs> yes. about. But he, he like would like monitor and force me to like, I don't know that I've started a question with, so let me ask you this. In 20 years, all right, since he did that to me. I, Jill, you're right. I did notice the other day, it just seemed to me in real time, I was saying, you know what I'm saying a lot. Jill, bless her heart, has tweeted at me many, many, many times. Oh, she has? Please tell Steve, please tell Todd, or you're mispronouncing. And most of the time, it drives me nuts because most of the time she's right. All right, so this time Jill just decided to go right to the source? Yep. All right. So, I mean, Jill's our self-appointed uh, um, accountability partner, right? Yeah, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> listen, this is... He's yelling at everybody. No one have fun. I hate Tom Brady. Well, the, this is the the reason you... This isn't the broadcasting even that Steve came up in, and it's not that long ago, but so much has changed. It's meant to be hyper casual now. It's not meant to be yeah, all buttoned up, so that's... I agree with that, but... I. I I, I don't have to say it like six times a show. I, I kind of agree with Jill on this one. Okay. Because I was, that's why I made, I, I was, you know what I'm saying? I, I, because <laughs> I noticed it myself and I was going to bring it up to you guys. Hey, am I saying this a lot or is it just me? And then I saw Jill's note. But here's and I'm the, like, I'm going to make sure that we put hers to the top of the line so I can address this. But you know what, what you're saying when you say... You know what I'm saying? That's the crazy voices in my head thing. You're, we're not sure we're just, of anything anymore. So we're I, just. That could be why I'm saying it a lot because yeah. I do feel unsure yeah. about a lot of the things I'm called to analyze and comment on. I, I don't know how certain a, a lot of those things yeah. are, right? Exactly. I mean, let's just stop and think about. I've not, no, I've not had a chance to read the piece yet. I came in this morning, you guys, first thing, wanted to alert me to this Time Magazine piece. I'm now seeing it getting tweeted all over the place. So I, I somehow missed it this morning. But if I understand what the, the gist of this piece is without having read it yet, and I'll make sure I do, but essentially the case I laid out for voter fraud, how when, you, when one ideology controls the entire system, that, that's that's my belief in voter fraud. You can come up with any outcome you want. 4 a.m. vote drops are not illegitimate because you make the laws. You make the laws on the run. You control the vote counters. You control who gets to be the vote observers, right? You control who makes the laws. You control the judges who then interpret those laws. It's 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 a gang. It's a it's the mafia, right? I mean, how often was the, was the mafia on the waterfront ever guilty of a crime either? Because they own the cops, they own the judges. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When when you have that, I just did it again. When you have that level <laughs> of you proving the point, yes. When you have that level of 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 the, the of penetration of corruption or or bias from just one particular viewpoint, then it's not voter fraud. 
when when treason never prospers, what's the reason? Because whenever treason prospers, none will dare call it treason. And from what I understand, from what you guys are telling me in the, uh, this Time Magazine piece, is they're like connecting. All, they went all OJ, it, except they went they they went next level. He, they didn't go if I did it. They went yeah, we did it exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And how many of us got shadow banned? How many of us got banned for uh, for asserting this for days, weeks after the election? Right. Yes. And now in one of the most austere publications of American mainstream media. They're 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 dancing the jig through the Champs Elysees and yeah. spiking the ball in the end zone, Lord Nefarious style, right? Yeah. How you like that? I mean, they might as well just titled the piece. How you like? How'd you like them apples? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I, what is what is certain about anything? That, that and, I, and so that gives me a little bit of an excuse. I'm still saying it too much, by the way. Any consultant that I brought into coach would tell me that. But it is why I've been asking this question a lot. Because I, I'm not as confident in my immediate reaction and analysis as I typically am because I'm not confident in what I'm analyzing. What is, I don't know what, what is true and whether it will be found to be true tomorrow. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? I don't know what will be true. To the degree that I am joyless, you just described it. <laughs> <laughs> um I just wanted to tell you guys that your show has been an awesome blessing in my life. If I hadn't found you when I did this past year, it, it might have broken my faith, I think. By that, I mean I would have probably been counted in those drawn into rioting at the Capitol. Your book, A Nefarious Plot, really opened my eyes to how the enemy thinks and attacks and uses us as useful idiots. Reading your book was like being given secret enemy plans and knowing you had no hope for victory without Christ. Masterfully done. Since reading your book, it's increased my lackluster and barely non-existent Bible reading. I grew up in church and came back to Christ after a long rebellion. In my newfound fervor, I never thought I was the warm water, uh, the lukewarm water the Lord threw up. That book quite literally broke me of that notion. I literally felt like I got my ass kicked spiritually. I know I pr I'm probably regurgitating some stuff uh, that you've heard before. But thanks for following the Lord's calling. I'm sure Lord Nefarious doesn't like, quote unquote, doesn't like what you're doing. Keep doing what God has called you to do. If I don't see you guys in the camps, it will be a joy to fellowship in heaven. Uh, my family, we keep uh, you, Todd, Aaron, and all of you in our prayers. That's Sergeant James Bailey. I I'm sharing this note because I've gotten a plethora of notes like this in the last couple of weeks. And... I don't. I, I kind of feel like it gets tiresome for the audience to read Attaboys. It makes me uncomfortable. You guys know I'm far more uncomfortable with compliments than I am criticisms, right? Okay. But I, I just wanted to pick this one as kind of a proxy for the numerous like this I've received the last couple of weeks. And thank you. Notes like this are... are the feedback we're looking for ultimately it's why we do what we do and and the way that we do it that's why is for notes like this yeah and i'm grateful you took the time uh to share it it's it, it, one of these a week you can you can pretty much march through the gates of hell just getting one of these a week agreed they they always seem throughout my career they have always seemed to strategically come at a time that i am i'm at my I'm just at my fed up, you know? I mean, I haven't said this publicly. I just texted this to a friend of mine during the break. The, uh, because they had sent me 
a video still up on YouTube about um, it, uh, the assumption that Trump would get reelected, how to disrupt uh, his uh, second inauguration. Like, you know, I believe the term we are using today is an insurrection, hmm. right? And this person was like, this video is still up there and look at all the crap we take from social media all the time, yeah. right? And I, I texted back to them. I'm like, I, I got to tell you, I got to confess, man. I, I've really, and I think it's why I'm so excited to have something to talk about as vapid and shallow as the return of NCAA football because I need pressure release valves. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know how you guys out in the audience are feeling, but I said this, I said this to this friend of mine just during the break. I, I'm just struggling not to hate a lot of people like hate. I'm not kidding you. When I tell you I'm, I'm out sometimes at a bar or a restaurant you know, you see those videos of how they come up and disturb people. I Sometimes I'm like, do it. Disturb me, please, please. I don't know, man. You know, um, maybe I'd get my ass kicked, but there's a large part of me that wants to find out that just the, the anger, the frustration, the testosterone boileth over. And is looking for an outlet. Anybody else feeling like this? For sure. And I have swallowed an immense amount of bile these last few months. And what's been happening, or in this last year, what's been happening with me, which I, I'm never, you know, I get nerves and stuff like anybody else. But, you know, the joke around here is I'm terrible on tape. When we try to tape something, how many takes do I have to do? Right. Okay. Yeah. But when it's live, dude, let's rock. You know, I don't care how big of an audience I get to speak in or have to speak in front of. I'm up to the task. But the last year, I've had a couple of episodes that can only be described really as like anxiety attacks. And, you know, at the eight, when you're in your 40s now, you're getting physicals and stuff regularly. I'm in excellent health. And so when you start pinpointing, so there's nothing physically wrong with you, right? And you start looking at what's going on that would cause this, because especially it's on set. It's not something I've been struggling with my entire life. Um, it's trying to suppress this level of anger, this level of vitriol I have for what is occurring around me. And after a while, you you, you keep that beach ball down you try to hold it down in the water as long as you can, right? And sooner or later, though, it will pop up. And for me, it's been manifesting like two or three times in the last year as like, you know, borderline anxiety attacks. I just get up in the middle of the night and I'm just so fed up, you know, because I'm, I'm dealing with this stuff all the time. It's my job and I love my job. But But this is why I spend as much time as I do reading Ken Palm's college basketball analytics. I just, I need Sabbaths, man. I, I, I need something to stop me from going full on Michael Douglas falling down. Because a lot of days, I feel like I'm about five minutes away from it. Know what I'm saying? Of course. That's, 
And and these notes are very encouraging when I get them. So thank you for that. This note is from Kathy Cavanaugh. It's a little bit longer than what we would typically read, but I think when I get to the end of it, you'll be glad that I did. She writes, not only did I understand Nefarious and his utter hatred for humanity, but the links he will go in order to destroy and ultimately kill us. There were times in my life that Nefarious nearly took me out, but God rescued me. Your first book was deep and dark, and I knew I could not share these books with my daughter and daughter-in-law because they're suffering from depression right now and told me they can only handle rainbows and unicorns. But in the Nefarious Carol book, I was Ray. I was the one needing to make that choice. Nefarious threw everything at me to try to hold me in place and in his grasp. I was molested as a small child. I went through an abortion and I reasoned I had no idea about the procedure and how impacting it, how impacting it was on a woman's mental psyche until years later that it nearly drove me mentally crazy hearing a baby's cry until I sought out my pastor and shared with him and repented leaving nefarious grass on me weakened. The more I connected to God, I became the less, um, the more I connected to God, the less hold I had on this, the less this world and nefarious had a hold on me. I was so broken as, as a vessel. I ended up getting my degree as a social worker. I went to Bible college to be a pastoral counselor and then became a director of a Christian homeless shelter here in Ohio for six years. Got to see the lives of many people changed and transformed. My past struggles became the light in so many tunnels of the homeless that came to stay with us. When Nefarious and his master meant for bad to destroy, God plucked me from my dark pit, healed me, molded me, and I became a vessel for him to reach the lost and troubled instead. I loved the books. They were hard to read in parts. They saddened me and others, but ultimately God prevailed and freed us. That is from Kathy Cavanaugh. And again, that's, that's why we do what we do and the reason why we do it. The reason why we are debating the same things politically over and over and over again. And we can't move on from them. And so we just, we just circle the drain deeper and deeper is because these aren't political debates. These are manifestations of spiritual brokenness. That's what they are. Healthy, whole people don't believe a lot of these things. They don't. Healthy, whole people don't get up and say, you know what, I think I'll be happier if I have my penis surgically removed. Healthy and whole people don't do that. Healthy and whole people don't get up one day and say, I really, I, I, I really think I need to have my breast ripped off me. And, and that's where I'll feel complete. Healthy and whole people don't do that. Healthy and whole people don't say, well, the only possible reason why you would want to make sure our borders are secure is you're a racist xenophobe. Until they got up yesterday and read the story that we caught 11 Iranians 
Iranians, Iranians in Arizona who came across the border illegally. Healthy and whole people don't just drop their kids off at school for eight hours a day to just be completely and totally indoctrinated and then put up with it when the indoctrination center say, we hate your kids so much, we don't even want them back. We don't want to indoctrinate them anymore. F you. We didn't want them in the first place. These are manifestations of spiritual brokenness. Healthy and whole people don't make these kinds of decisions. And I think there has been for too long a discomfort in this industry with addressing it that way. Because, frankly, it's not just people who don't vote like like us that are struggling with brokenness. A lot of us are too. And what did I say yesterday? That the, when you asked me about a nefarious Carol, right? Why did I write these books from these premises? Because it's pretty obvious in our culture today, we're much more comfortable being afraid of the dark than we are chasing after the light. And it's because I think deep down, we know we're not worthy of the light. And that's true. We're not. And yet, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever will believe in him not will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world would be saved. You're not worthy. And neither am I, but it's offered to us anyway, because he's worthy. And for a long time, this industry has been predicated on using the very systems philosophies, catchphrases to heal our brokenness that caused it. Free market economics and capitalism are not going to heal a land. Now, I believe in those things. Not because I, I need them to save me, but because I think they're in recog- they're, they, they work on earth because they're in rec- their philosophies in recognition that we need saved. They, they acknowledge the imperfection and imperfectibility of man on the outset and say, okay, in light of that reality, what's the best we can do east of Eden? That's why I'm for conserving those things. But a low top marginal tax rate or even true school choice isn't going to make you a better parent. And
And a lot of the solutions and things that we have hawked and sold and pimped in this thing called conservative media aren't even placebos. They're deviations of the same theme. It's why we it's why we look for our own derivatives. Let's have our conservative pansexual vegan lizard person, our conservative this, our conservative that. These are derivatives of that which is infecting us. Would you go to the doctor? Would you go to an oncologist and hope to hear, I've got, I've got, a, I've, I've got a brand X cancer. I got a brand X tumor. We're going to shoot that into you and get rid of the Y tumor. Would, would, the, would, would that give you a warm fuzzy? No. But that's a lot of what we do here and have done for decades. And that's not when we're promoting, as our prime directive, getting a whole bunch of people reelected all the time from a political party who friggin' hates us. So I don't know another way to do this because it's only by confronting, having my own brokenness confronted, I'm even able to do this at all. That a kid born to a 15-year-old mom is even here today. That a kid that got kicked out of college because they don't send out degrees for playing Super Tech Mobile all semester is here today. That's what I did. I went from most likely to succeed in high school to renting out a dude's basement that was infested with ants and working for manpower. That's what Steve Dace did on his own. That's what my brokenness produced. So I, I don't know another way to do this. But here's what I do know. Healing people make better decisions. Healing people can govern themselves. Broken people can't. There's a reason why we had great awakenings and then we had a revolution. As opposed to the other way around. There's a reason why John Adams says this constitution is only for a moral and religious per- only for a moral and religious people. Put this amount of freedom in the hands of people who are neither of those things. And what will they do? Everything we talk about every day. That's what they will do. And to throw Todd a bone, they'll call it quote devout Catholicism. That's what they'll do. That's what they'll do. I mean, he was speaking at the National Prayer Breakfast the other day, and then after he left there, hey, put chicks and dudes, uh, put dudes in chick sports. That's what broken people do. And you're not going to out argue a humanistic philosophy with another one. And the only thing that beats a bad theology is a good one. So I'm completely morally unqualified, frankly to be the bringer of this message to you on this platform. Which is probably why I'm the one bringing it to you. Because I recognize that. I recognize that. That it's not about me. It's about him. We aren't worthy 
of the grace that is offered to us. We aren't. And that's why they call it grace. We don't have the character to justify this level of mercy. Thankfully, he calculates things on the basis of his character and not ours. Because he does. And to me, I, I find that freeing. I mean, I, I feel like I'm playing with house money. Like I can just go for broke all the time. Tomorrow, this microphone doesn't turn on. I'm not here. We had a hell of a run. Who thought we were going to get this far, right? <laughs> I mean, t- just, I'm all in every day. Because I'm, I'm playing with house money. And I think too many of us don't realize that and live based on fear instead. And there is no more paralyzing force on this earth than fear. You cannot be a free people and hostage to fear. So last year it was toilet paper and some places this year it still is. Who knows? Next time it might be food or how about a natural disaster? Make sure for either occurrence that you are prepared. We've all now lived through what can happen with mass panic buying. We've all seen what it can do to our stores, even those super duper outlet stores that sell all those things in bulk, even they Uh, were depleted as well. That's why you want to join millions of patriots just like you with our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Prepare in advance with an emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. It stays fresh for up to 25 years, so you never go hungry, have to worry about standing in any kind of food lines. They're America's leader in survival food. A four-week kit that has 2,000 calories a day. That's just what you're looking for. And it'll arrive discreetly at your door if you're concerned that your neighbors are going to think you're some kind of doom prepping freak it'll arrive discreetly at your door in as little as two days so take advantage of this special offer right now for some peace of mind 20 percent off your popular four-week food kit 20 percent off when you go to preparewithdace.com again prepare with dace d-e-a-c-e preparewithdace.com save 20 percent off right now let's get back to some feedback friday this is from sam who says, so of course you were right about how Trump gave away the election by letting Fauci and Burks run the country last spring. Don't get me wrong. I agree. I think the election was stolen. I, I do too, by the way. Uh, you, but you can't hide the data if, they're, um, if it, it's there if you're willing to look at it as you have. But had he not let the country go into fear and panic mode for months and months, none of the mechanisms that allowed for the cheating would have been put into place over the summer and we wouldn't be celebrating a dementia presidency. We can survive four years of Biden-Harris, but if the election process has been permanently damaged, we are all in big trouble. Will anyone even focus on fixing it, or will it be memory hold by next week? Well, Sam, again, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I'm definitely going to make sure I read it this weekend. This piece that's making the rounds right now that Time has published, uh, to me, is, is a godsend if you're trying to get your friendly neighborhood Republicans' attention on this. 
Because at the very least, what it appears they're describing is they did on a federal level what they did, um, or on a general level, what they did at the primary level right before Super Tuesday for Joe Biden. So Bernie Sanders wins Iowa. I mean, they awarded it to Pete Buttigieg on election night, but everybody understood. The perception was Bernie Sanders was who came out of here with the momentum. Then turns around and wins New Hampshire. Um, it, it, it's almost, I can't think of who has sent somebody. Now, since he didn't win Iowa technically on primary night or on caucus night, it doesn't count. But has anybody ever won Iowa and New Hampshire and not won their party's nomination? I don't believe that's ever happened. They head into Super Tuesday. Sanders has the momentum. Biden's campaign went from dead to treading water in South Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. And then literally we watched in real time how, as you put it, Todd, in 72 hours they necromanced Joe Biden. I mean, they leveraged every platform, every messaging they had, and he ends up winning even decisively states that he never even visited on Super Tuesday, and he was off to the nomination after that. What Time Magazine is essentially saying, based on what I'm reading from people summarizing it, is that they just did this again at the general election level. But understand the process by which they could have pulled it off. They could have leveraged all of their platforms because in some respects, folks, they've done this before. It's just not been as obvious. It's just been the random marshalling of, of, like, of, of like-minded worldviews. Just It wasn't in it, like an intentional cabal. It was just a group of people who agreed with each other all acting in concert because of their shared agreement. Not necessarily like they got together and plotted this out as decisively and effectively as it appears they did this time. But they've done this in every election. The difference is how good of a candidate is representing you. And then also, if they're an incumbent, did they make decisions that made it easy for them to do this to them? In the case of Trump, he did. I mean, if they, if, if, if they, do they marshaled all their resources to promote the Russian collusion narrative for two years too, correct? Yes. That fell apart, right? Yes. They marshaled all their forces to promote Ukrainian impeachment. That fell apart, right? Yes. They marshaled all their forces and leveraged everything they had to turn Brett Kavanaugh into a, a, a sexual predator. That disintegrated, right? Yes. You, th- th- so it's, the idea, and this is probably why they, they haven't considered on their side that they're, they're, they're validating a lot of our, of a lot of our um, notions about this election by saying this, because in their minds, they've been doing this for decades. This is just the most intentional version of it. This is just doubling down on it. But ultimately, the mechanism by which they would carry they could carry it out, meaning deliver the vote, doesn't happen if he doesn't hand the country over to Fauci Burks and and make fear the 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 the, the social media status of America for f- an entire quarter of 2020. I would actually argue well into the third quarter too, because it was really not until he came out of the hospital for COVID that he was really on the message he should have been on from about the 1st of May, June at the latest, right? Yeah. So if he doesn't do that, we don't see, we don't see the legislature in your state, right. which yesterday told the governor to go jump in a lake on masks but without without the governor, what did they do six? What did they do eight months ago? Right. Put vote drop boxes in. 
See, if he doesn't do that, the mechanism by which they still are going to leverage all their platforms, but they have been doing that against him from the time he took but office. This time story concedes. It says, quote, a revolution in voting happened. Only one in four voters actually voted on election day yes. at the polls. Yes. They, admi- they admit that Alexa defined rigged. That's it. I mean, look at look at the look at the rejection rate. The rejection rate nationwide for mail-in votes is something like 0.2%. When it's typically 1% to 2%. When there's less volume. Anybody that has run any any form of business will tell you. More volume is more variance, more exposure in your systems. Right? The more volume you have, the more people you need to hire because the more volume raises raises your margin for error, your risk assessment. So we had this what 500 percent increase in volume and yet we ran it more efficiently with the same post office that some of you just now got grandma's christmas card from that passed the smell test no and i'll tell you what what you mentioned a couple of days ago the the bellwether counties nationwide yes out of 20 of them that have decided like every presidential winner in the last 50 years biden won one of these counties one of them one well, Steve, they, the, the courts, they don't, they control all the judges. Well, Steve, uh, man, they certainly control the certification process. They control who gets to watch the votes. Now, they controlled all of that anyway. They controlled all of that anyway. That's why George Bush had to bypass the Florida Supreme Court and get emergency standing from the U.S. Supreme Court, and then he only got a 5-4 decision. (laughs) So they controlled that anyway. The difference was he handed them the weapon. He handed them the murder weapon. When he said, all right, I guess we got to shut down. So that set the stage for mail-in voting, for them to pull all of these forces together. You're right on the money. And that's why, that's why are the people we're going to get, listen, I love the idea, let's go get a bunch of burn it down candidates and I don't care how what silly stuff they say and let's throw them up there because the system deserves it and they're angry at them. You can do that to a point. But ultimately, you need two things. One, somebody who's good at this. Politics is a vocation and a craft like any other job. Who's good at it? But then two, who has the depth of worldview to understand when he's getting complete and total BS? Anthony Fauci stands up there at the White House today and says, boy, I'm glad that Biden's in charge because now I feel free to talk about the science. In the last week, he has said you should wear two masks and then said you should not because there's no data that shows that it works and then said, well, you know, maybe we should actually have CDC mandate two masks. He's a complete and freaking BS artist. That's none of that is science. It's all flat earth voodoo. All of it is. But if you don't put put somebody in that White House with the depth of worldview to say, listen, man, I don't know as much about epidemiology as you do, but I know logic and reason. And some of this doesn't add up. So I got questions. I've got some questions here. 
As opposed to, oh, I don't want it. 200,000 people are going to die on my watch and it's New York City and they're going to blame me. I don't want me. That's, I mean, that's just, no, no, no. Don't elect an id president next time. Understand the times and what can be done about them. You're not going to beat an id with, a, with an id, an ego with a super ego. Put somebody up there. That understands the laws of nature and nature's God. That understands logic and reason. Because if we learn one lesson here with this last election, dunking on Jim Acosta or, or, the, or a bunch of these media D-bags is the junior friggin' varsity team. When you're up against a real spirit of the age... You need a real hero. Somebody who doesn't go into the Valley of Elah to trade barbs with Goliath, but with a slingshot, and he aims for the head. Craig writes, what's the likelihood Tulsi Gabbard would become a Republican and run for president in 2024? You know what I'm going to say? Hi. Why not? That's not nearly as crazy as 15 of the things we're, we are asked to discover or to discuss on a daily basis, correct? Correct. Yeah, I mean, she's been more conscientious as a public servant than the vast majority of Republicans we've encountered in the last couple of years, wouldn't you say? She is, with the exception of life, and and she came... She says she was pro-life change. She's she's not. When's the last time you heard her talk about abortion? I, I'm, not, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying she's not out there doing the governor of Virginia thing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. With the exception of life, isn't she basically Ron Paul in many respects? Foreign policy, kind of nutty. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Ron Paul was never out there on marriage going hammer and tongs on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and what, to me, I, I actually agreed with several of the fundamentals of Ron Paul's view of foreign policy. I didn't, didn't agree with the length, the depths that he went to. Like, it's why I, I don't blame Iran for wanting a nuclear weapon. Israel, uh, yeah, I, I kind of blame it. That kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Sherry says, if one cannot choose to be homosexual, then why do these people groom minors and young adults? Bing. Talking about the John Weaver story. Ouch. Sherry, you're not allowed to critically think like that, Sherry. Yep. You would be banned. This is one of those things Steve talked about earlier about how the very th- thing that corrupted us now, people on the right say and believe and think, thinking that if they do, it's just all going to get better. We'll go along. We'll find some happy mediums. Hmm. No, 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 no. No. No, I, I don't care which party had the first openly homosexual. I don't care about any of that. I also don't, unless he wants to impose his views on me, Richard Grinnell's proclivities are also, though, none of my business. I happen to think he was an excellent director of national intelligence. They did a great job at DNI. I'm happy to affirm Richard Grinnell's um, accolades and performance in that gig. And ultimately, his 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 behavior is something he'll be accountable to god for but if you force me to if you tell me i cannot appreciate richard grinnell's record in office 
without validating his behavior, then we have a problem, right? Yes. Then we have a problem. Now, one side of this argument says, I have to do that. I, I have to validate this. Otherwise, I cannot find anything else about you worthy of edifying or, uh, or validating or finding admirable. I have to. My concern is, when we start going down this road of our own derivative on our side, it's just a matter of time before we get there then too. And I, I mean, I heard these arguments before. And then the next time Rick Grinnell does something I don't like, well, you just don't like him because you're an evangelical and he's gay. Right? right. Like, I, you know, it, I only thought it was a bad idea to make the nominee of the party, the guy who gave Mitt Romney, the, or uh, who, the guy who gave Barack Obama the worst idea he had before he had it. Just I, the only possible reason I could have for that is I just hate Mormons. I, I heard all those arguments. If you think it's a bad idea um, to just let a whole bunch of guilty people out of prison, you must be a racist. I, those arguments are happening on the right right now. Mm-hmm. So that's the danger when you become a derivative is you lose your distinctiveness and you end up becoming the echo of that which you claim to oppose. You become the JV version, the minor league, the AAA team of that which you oppose because you've lost what it is about you that makes you distinct from them. You're so eager for relevance that you become relative I, I can't tell the difference between you and what you're opposed to. So then why don't I just go with what you're opposed to? Because I'm going to get more of it. And they're better at it than you. My fear is that we fear distinctions. We fear our distinctiveness now. And that we think the, the, the path back is to embrace some of that which we oppose. To show that we're not haters. I don't know who the 11 Republicans... I do actually I did see a list of the 11 Republicans who voted to unseat Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday. I can promise you the next time they vote for anything that you and I like, the Democrats aren't going to remember their vote for Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're going to remember, they're going to call them all racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic bigots. Yes, they They'll be will. given no credit whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Don't play the game. You always lose. John 3:17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.